B-U-L-L-S-H-I-T New word A-R-T-I-S-T Bell's Bullshit Artist Hello and welcome to the Bullshit Artist. We decided to drop bromance because it's too hard to say and it becomes a tongue twister. I am your somewhat host, Court, or just the guy that got roped into introducing this particular episode. And with me, as always, is my bromance and fellow bullshit artist, Boz. How are you, sir? I am fine. And I am a bullshit artist. Bullshit artist! You're a bullshit artist! You're a bullshit artist! We probably shouldn't do that every week because people get really tired of it. But it's still funny. (laughs) Every episode, that's all we do for like five minutes and then people click out immediately. (laughs) Hey, as long as they download it, I'm good. Yeah, I mean, it depends how much they relate it to that film as well, because my wife fucking hates that movie. (laughs) I'm still like, I'm still weird about, I don't know how I feel about it, because it was just so, like, offensive and annoying and irritating, yet I couldn't stop thinking about it. So, like, I think I enjoyed it, but I think I enjoyed how angry it made me that I was watching it. (laughs) <laughs> and, I, and I couldn't shut it off. It's the soundtrack. I love the soundtrack. I, I play that at any opportunity. I just adore it. And I, uh, Lavinia just, she didn't fall asleep because she was tired. She fell asleep in protest. You know, my brain does that sometimes. Um, for instance, it took me five sittings to watch all of Birdemic because my brain shut my body off. <laughs> and I just would spontaneously pass out midway through it because of how angry it was making me. Um, there's like, Maybe two or three handfuls of like movies that have been like that, where it's just so bad, my brain shuts me down and goes, no, sleep. You are not doing this to us. Do you know the first film I could probably tar with that particular brush? It's actually The Usual Suspects. No shit. Took me five attempts to get through that movie. I don't know why. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a good movie, but I just kept fucking falling asleep. Just so odd. Yeah, that is odd. I mean, there's some movies that I pick that I find very comforting and they lull me to sleep, almost like, you know, being read a story. Um, Mm. But that doesn't mean I dislike the film. A good example of that is There Will Be Blood. Okay. I love watching that film to fall asleep. And I think it has a lot to do with the scenery and just the, the story overall and the performance, the music as well. And there's just something about it. And you wouldn't think a film like that would be something that lulls me to sleep or offers me comfort but it totally does for some weird reason i don't know yeah. mostly because i think i may be daniel plainview yeah i mean mine may be blood sport i don't know I to <laughs> that is probably jean-claude van damme's finest film oh it is yeah beyond i'll, I'll hear no argument to that <laughs> yeah any of the stuff i love that film any of the stuff he does that's based partially or completely on frank dux's life um, is actually pretty decent. He did like at least two that I can think of. The other one was the quest. And while some of the parts of the story at the very beginning are ridiculous, once they get to the tourney, that movie's actually decent too. I haven't seen that one. Weirdly, I don't know how I missed that. Yeah, he's like some kind of like 18th century French waif guy that's like a like in charge of a bunch of orphans and they're collecting money during the depression or something. I I don't know. But anyway, he gets. Roped into... How's that Frank Dukes? I don't know. It's really weird. But once they get to the <laughs> tournament stuff, there's it's more like a Frank Dukes based style story. So, but, okay. um, Kickboxer, um, yeah, the quest that I was talking about, and then the one with the Kumite. That's Kickboxer, right? No, that's Bloodsport. Bloodsport. Those three mm. are his best films. But I think yeah. 
kickboxer out of all of them is probably the best because of the Muay Thai shit. But the Kumite mm. fighting is really fucking good too. The it is, blood yeah, sport, yeah. Because yeah. I like the mix of styles. I was very into... Um, it was weird because in those days when I was into martial arts, it was MMA wasn't really a thing. So I loved all the distinctive styles of how this person is this style and this person is this style and they're going to fight and you see how the two styles go against each other. And then of course, you know, now we realize the effectiveness of, of mixing these things together and you know, it's become something else. But Yeah, because yeah, each particular discipline has their own strengths that are really well defined depending upon your style, grapple, kick, you know, punch, the, whatever it may be. You know, mm. you learn boxing for the punching, you learn Muay Thai for the kicking and knees and, you know, that kind of stuff. Aikido yeah. for the throws and stuff. And then <laughs> judo for the grappling and uh, joint locks, I would say, probably. And Win Chung for being really up close and personal, which is probably my favorite. <laughs> so, well, I also practice um, the American style of Kung Fu, which is to pull a gun and immediately blast away at everything around you. Yeah, I mean, in on the British Isles, we we don't really have that many options. The Scottish have got it nailed, really, with their um, lesser known art of um, fuck you, which um, just oh, it's headbutting it, and kicking while just, on the ground. Basically, yeah. And I, yes, I did steal that from Mike Myers, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's actually my favorite Mike Myers film that you stole that from. Uh, so is I that, married an axe murderer. Yeah, is is that in that film? Yeah. Uh you see, I should know that because. I always complain at Lavinia that she doesn't know that film backwards enough. Um, Because that is one of, that's in my top five films of all time. Oh, I absolutely love it. That was the, whenever he started falling in love with Harriet, I totally got it. Like, you know, like I was like, I totally see what he sees in her and I I have no problem with that. And Mm. like, it's one of the like rom-com movies that actually really works for me. And it, Mm. it really has very little to do with, um, his his character himself it's just one of those things where like i completely see how terrified of relationships she actually is because of what her sister has done to her through her whole life yeah (laughs) spoiler alerts for however old that fucking movie is (laughs) so many people don't know it and it's this travesty it's like it's one of the all-time classics and um much as i fucking loathe michael myers accent as shrek um i i think his scottish accent for that is awful i don't know what it is about it but it just rubs me up the wrong way entirely him playing his own father in that movie i didn't realize for the longest time it was him because i'm stupid and i don't read the credits uh, <laughs> but the day i realized it was him i was like oh my god that's amazing because it just it was a completely different guy <laughs> so, uh, and then i just loved it more yeah i would say that um, if i were of uh, scottish descent i would be extremely offended by everything mike myers does accent wise because it's <laughs> It's it's like the equivalent of um we were talking about this on the last episode but of like a high school bully that um just goes nanny nanny boo boo making fun of your voice and repeating back you know like hi i'm the dumbest idiot ever you know kind of thing <laughs> you could use that as a clip drop if you want <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah i can start collecting those um <laughs> hey, that's your shtick um but no I just, but i didn't find like him playing his dad's actually pretty bob on like the the scottish of his scottishness of it i was just endearing and his whole rant about i'm not kidding that boy's head's like an orange on a toothpick you know um all that like that. sputnik's spherical but quite pointy apart yeah <laughs> yeah and um i said dad how can you hate the colonel because he puts a secret addictive ingredient in his chicken that makes you crave it twice fortnightly <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's love lines like that 
Yeah, uh, it is. A, it is quite an excellent uh, film. And like I said, it's it's definitely my favorite, and it's probably the best work that he's ever done because that's when he still yeah. kind of gave a fuck. Mm. I and, don't know what happened to him. He was there's a lot of squandered potential going forward from there. Uh, I mean, my, my friend Ralph, he's, he, he was obviously laughed because he he changed his name to his um, like an earlier family name because he's a descendant of Scotland, and um, but he was raised in Blackpool or not Blackpool, Blackburn. Sorry. Um, as far as I was going, he hadn't actually been to Scotland that many times, but like clung on to his Scottish her- heritage with such pride. And so when he got married, um, all of his groomsmen had to wear kilts. And I got, I dodged a bullet because I, I was the videographer. So I'm not wearing a fucking kilt if I'm running around with a video camera. Um, but I did dare him uh, just to, after the vows are done in the church to just turn around to the auditorium, to the, to the crowds and just go, let's get past. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't do that. We got a piper down. (laughs) Yeah, piper down. He didn't do that. But what he did do is that this was in a a Church of England church, one of the big expensive places in a major city. And as they were walking out, I'm following up the aisle. Just as they get to the door of the church, um, his now wife grabs the back of his kilt, lifts it up, and he's got a tight pair of white boxer shorts on that says just married stamped on his ass. Awesome. I was like, I wanted to applaud, but I would have dropped the camera. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I'll take that instead. That's pretty good. Yeah, I don't really have an issue myself with uh, ever having to wear a kilt like for a wedding or any kind of like formal event like that. But out of respect for the heritage of the Scottish, I wouldn't mm. wear one just to wear one, though. You know, no, I, I mean, I'd say he's accepted me into his clan for a day. I suppose that's all right. But I kind of agree. I don't have a tartan. I don't have the heritage. So yeah, it doesn't really feel right. Yeah. And like, I wouldn't wear an Indian headdress unless I were part of a ceremony and it was something that were required from a friend or a loved one or, or something like that, that had cultural significance and it needed to be that way. Cause I feel it's almost like a sign of disrespect. I mean, like, you know, like, they talk about what cultural appropriation when you wear kimonos and, and things like that as well. And yeah, you know, it's just, it's not something that I don't think we've ever really thought of before in the history of mankind. And now it's something that like, when you think about it, it's just totally like, Holy shit. How did we not realize this before? <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I can only assume the Scottish are cool with it as a, as a thing. Cause it's, it's good for the, you know, cultural recognition for them and so on. And their traditions carried on. I mean, I would imagine if you're going to do it, you would have to, you'd have to adhere to, there's very serious rules on how it has to fit, you know, what the measurements are and all of that kind of stuff. And I would imagine if you were to adhere to that and were actually trying to adopt that as part of your new cultural heritage or, or whatever that you wanted to identify with, maybe it would be less offensive, but at some point you really are just appropriating a heritage that you may not even belong to. You know, I mean, like I'm of various types of descent, most of it Norwegian for the most part. You wouldn't be able to tell that by looking at me at all. Well, there's the beard. (laughs) (laughs) I was being facetious. I very much look like my cultural heritage. Um, You know, and like my both my mother and my sister had been gotten the 23andMe genetic testing thing to kind of see, you know, where their stuff lands. And most of most of what we are even genetically is like the that Scandinavian Norse, you know, those, those Nordic type countries and like some of the Saxon stuff too, where, you know, it, mm. it mixes in from the the various raids and things like that, where everybody has a little bit of Viking in them, if you know what I'm saying. Oh yeah. 
Um, <laughs> I got the berserker rage particularly. <laughs> right. So, you know, like that that kind of thing. And I, I didn't really know growing up what cultural heritage I even had. So I would always pine for anything, you know, like mm. something to kind of glom onto other than rednecky mountain folk that I was raised around, you know, because it wasn't, right. I just like, I never felt like I belonged in any of that. And I never really did, you know. Um, mm. So finding some of that stuff out and like learning some of my heritage for that kind of stuff has always been interesting for me. But at the same time, that cultural heritage that I have for Nordic, Viking, Scandinavian, whatever it may be, the various mixes, even a little bit of Finnish, I think I have, which are all sort of the same peoples anyway. They're all sailing around in those areas and, you know, walking mm. over the ice to get there. But like <laughs> all of that, you know, whatever boils down to like a Viking heritage has been usurped by neo-nazis and and white supremacists and like i want it back you can't have my pagan stuff yeah <laughs> fuck off assholes you know if you learn grab a hatchet thing, and go after it <laughs> yeah. like 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 fucking all of us that the, you know like the, like the history for for my folk is like we literally would take anybody in and you could become part of it as long as you became a valued member of society you mm. know like it it was it was more of a philosophy and a way of life, you know. And yes, they did some horrendous things, and yes, they took slaves, but everyone did, you know. Yeah. It it wasn't it wasn't like your color of skin with that with like that type of belief for the Vikings. It was we beat you in battle, and now you're ours. They didn't care where you came from as long as they got you. You were a slave, and then property, you know. It yeah. wasn't it wasn't based on anything like that. So like, there's really no basis on that other than there was some weird drug fueled meth binge that made hitler's folks decide that you know that was the right people to base their shit on and fuck that yes <laughs> but i'll be i'll go back to scottish though i think uh, i'm not aware of anyone doing the kilt thing without having just a, a generation or two back scottish link in the family at least you know um so like in my friend's case it's his grandfather so and it was his grandfather's name that he's taken and changed his name to. And, you know, that's fine. I mean, I get, be proud of that. That, that. That's cool. Um, so I I think it's all right. <laughs> I've certainly never heard of anyone having a problem with it, but kilts at weddings are a popular thing. Um, yeah. And obviously, if you wear a kilt without a tartan, that's fine. Like, Timo's got a very nice black kilt that he wears occasionally. You know, being finished, that's a thing. I don't know. <laughs> it suits him, though. Well, and okay, yeah. Now, if now we're talking like just a kilt, as in a kilt for a man to wear, hmm. that that I don't believe is solely and only Scottish because that type of uh, wrap around the you know nethers of a of a person that could have just basically spawned from loincloths and various things like that that we've had into hmm. full fabric, and you have that type of fabric wrap around that goes back to Roman times. You know, yeah, I mean, the, the kilt's a specific style of of that skirt, though. It like it's pleated in a certain way and it wraps in a certain way, so it's very definitely a kilt, right? So it isn't it isn't not a kilt, but a tartan kilt is you're only supposed to wear that if it is your family's tartan. So if you see someone running around in a tartan kilt and they have no family family lineage, that is effectively cultural appropriation and not cricket. Um, okay, so like a, a, a solid color kilt like if i took a pair of hmm. say cargo pants cut them out in the middle and then stitched them together and then did some things to pleat them to make it look sort of like a kilt but kept the cargo hmm. that would be relatively okay and not necessarily cultural appropriation because it's a cut of fabric and not 
trying to emulate or steal from an actual family line of tartan is what you're saying yeah um and actually i saw i'm sure it was like a muslim line wearing kilts or something like somebody had created a tartan for somebody um oh yeah they were of, it was of recent certain, news yeah I, I did see that it was like um they're of mixed descent where it's something that is for like a muslim background and then another yeah. part that's like scottish so they created their own specific tartan or they had that spun off from their other clan like you would do or or, or whatever the traditions are from the, the scottish side of the heritage i remember seeing that i know what you're talking about there so yeah so i've i've dug it up i this is what I saw. It's, it says Scotland's Islamic tartan is going viral, but why now? Uh, it's a tartan that represents the five pillars of Islam, uh, the six articles of faith, the Holy Kabar, and Scotland in its design. Uh, it was released in 2012, actually, uh, modelled on the grand staircase of Glasgow City Chambers. Majority of the interest comes following a tweet by Canadian human rights activist Laura Morlock. In her post, she outlines the details of the tartan and, why, and what they signify. While the post has rejuvenated interest in the tartan, it's not a new thing. Oh, there you go. <laughs> in fact, the tartan was announced in 2012. How they get to do this is my question. So on his website, explains the design, writing, The theological explanation of the design is as follows. Blue represents a Scottish flag. Green represents the colour of Islam. Five white lines running through the pattern represent the five pillars of Islam. Six gold lines represent the six articles of faith. The black square represents the Holy Kabar, uh, which I'm probably pronouncing wrong, even though I was trying to learn some Arabic today. So anyway, um, I'll get onto that later. <laughs> it also says the Scottish Islamic tartan weaves together the five, that's the different strands of Scottish and Muslim heritage, creating the fabric for the future. The tartan was developed in collaboration with the leading Islamic scholars around the world. At the time of 2012 release, Ibrahim wrote a Huffington Post link think piece about the significance of the tartan. He also featured in the shoot, modelling the new Tartan in 2012. I think that's pretty cool. So, for any listeners that may not know what a Tartan is, and then also so that I can pretend like I actually knew all along, can you explain <laughs> it for our audience? A Tartan is always a squared pattern, and it's a checkered pattern of different colours, and then there are like highlight lines also in a squared pattern over the top of it. Uh, which is what creates the look of the tartan. So, uh, if you, I, I don't know enough about it to sort of. I know people who could look at it and, like the McGregor tartan, you can sort of look at and go, oh, that's, you know, that that's this person or, or whatever. So, and so um, it's it's based on is it a the clan, which would be like almost like a family line, right? Yeah, basically, yeah, and uh, like your family name or whatever, yeah. And so, are. Uh, family la- family name and clans are basically the same thing, so it would be like a line of heritage for a family, and it's specific. What happens for um, the offspring of two separate clans whenever they come together? Do they get their own line? Do you know? I have no idea. Ah, so, okay, well, that's an <laughs> so, excellent thing for any listener that would uh, like to, you know, get back to us on this. Hopefully, we'll have one or two actual Scots that can tell us what's going on with this. Yeah, I, I'm certainly going to point it in my friend's direction once it's out as well. So there's another tartan on this article, actually, and it's a very different pattern. So you've got a sort of a red and blue checker in the background, but very strong, wider white lines running over the top of that. And then like a strong, bold, thinner white line making a larger grid pattern over the top of that. So it's it's always quadrants and squares and sort of different depths 
or layers almost of the patterning. So um, that's that's just maybe you want to nerd out a bit, little bit about that and look into it further. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I know I've seen something cool about like a, a sort of a mingling of something new for Tartan, and that, uh, yeah, that was it. So. But that's a weird segue because I'm going to Dubai in October, <laughs> and yeah. uh, it's the way it's worked out is really weird. So we booked our holiday for October because we managed to get really cheap flights. So we arranged a holiday to Corfu because my job is insane in the summer. So we're like, right, we're going to go to Corfu beginning of October. It's our fifth wedding anniversary. Ties it all together nicely. This will be great. Then my wife goes and wins an award at work, <laughs> a very prestigious award at work, which Hooray is all expenses paid. Yeah, I mean, good honour and everything, but timing is not the best. Um, <laughs> because obviously everybody's worried about Brexit. They have crowbarred this trip in, kind of at short notice, because they're like, yeah, we've got to get them out there before the 31st of October in case they can't come back. <laughs> fucking brexit so we're not getting political uh, so, um so all but basically how it's worked out and it's kind of lucky i suppose but basically we fly out for a week to corfu come back on the sunday i'm going to work on the monday and then on tuesday i fly to dubai for another seven days so that like, is, right okay okay being being flown to dubai for an all-expense paid trip obviously your wife kicks mega ass to be given that type of reward uh, yes, she doesn't believe that, but it is the case. Yeah. Uh, okay. Look, there is gigantic external evidence to point to the fact of her badassery that is irrefutable <laughs> and undeniable. Mm. Um. So, her saying that that's not necessarily the case and being able to play it down like, oh, it's not a big deal, is what it's making you're making it sound like. Seems mm. to me that that's another level of badassery where. You're so fucking badass, you don't even have to tell other people about it. It's like the the quiet, <laughs> cool kind of way of being asked badass, where like, you know, like Outlaw Josie Wales kind of thing, where like Clint Eastwood's on screen and he doesn't even say anything, but the whole yeah. entire like the whole entire like wild world around him gets quiet for a moment just because he popped up on screen. Like it's that level of badass. It's something like that. And like she was saying, like because originally it was going to be twenty five people, they upped it to twenty seven. And she's like, yeah, I'm probably like number 27. And they just, it was like a pity vote or something. And uh, <laughs> they, they probably weren't going to select me. And I'm like, shut up, own it. You deserve it. That's why you've been chosen. Uh, before we got together uh, seven years ago now, pushing eight probably, um, for the second time, because uh, obviously we first went out when we were 16. I'm not going to bore everybody with that story here. When we did get back in touch, I was the most untraveled person you have ever met. Um, I had basically been to the south of Spain once when I was about 15 and went to one of those awful resorts that's just full of British people getting pissed. <laughs> and all I, all I saw for two weeks was drunk British people and then came home. I didn't even hear any Spanish. And I was in fucking near Malaga, you know. Um, so... Yeah, which was like, oh, come to Spain and see me. I was like, oh, I don't really like Spain. He's like, yeah, Spain's fucking huge. And I'd been to one part of it. And like, Catalonia is northern Spain. It's beautiful. It looks like England in so many ways uh, in certain seasons. Rolling green hills and trees. Just phenomenal. I didn't know any of this. I didn't even have a passport. So we had to get me a passport sorted so I could go out there. So basically, since we've been together, like, I've traveled more than I have in my entire life. We've ridden a motorcycle to Switzerland. We've been here and there. But it's still not been that wide-ranging. She's she's ridden a, been on a bike to the other side of Turkey. She's been to Nordcap, the most northern point in Europe. 
Um, she's been through pretty much every Eastern European country you can think of on a motorcycle. I've not done any of that. So been to France a lot, been to Spain a lot, Germany, Belgium, whatever, just riding through. Uh, no so offense, but I'm kind of crushing on your wife for her awesomeness right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's pretty badass. Um, so she said, "Well, let's go somewhere different." So we're going to try Corfu. Now, the thing, because I was completely untraveled, and I was like, "I don't really." Uh, I'm a British boy. I, I holiday here. I didn't know any other languages. I'd lost all my French. Um, going to Spain and then learning some Spanish for when I'm there and being able to communicate a bit with locals. I just, I language has become so important to me. And whenever we went somewhere else, like if I go to France, I brush up on my French before I go. I'm shit at it and I really don't use as much as I should. But I try more than the people I'm with generally. Um, I tried the same in Germany. Again, not confident enough to use any of it. But at least hello, goodbye, thank you, please. Yeah, I want to learn those basics. So today I'm like, shit, I'm running out of time. So I'm going to try and learn some Arabic. You can't do that from an audio podcast. Fucking hell. Um, so <laughs> I tried several shows. I'm trying to get some of this down. Um, now, Lavinia actually knows basic Arabic anyway. So I, I'll latch onto the thing of her being my translator, which is what I always do, because she speaks conversational French. So when we go to France, it's fine. Uh, so I, I was having a really bad day today. I was like, I can't concentrate on this. It's far too difficult. I've clearly got to sit down and study it. So I know we're going to Corfu. I'm going to learn a bit of Greek. So like the hello, goodbye. There. I turn on this podcast about learning Greek and they're like, yeah, this is the most ancient language. Uh, everybody's alphabet comes from this, uh, but it's completely different. It's not Latin in our oh, shit. It's different from the Latin languages. That's me screwed. Uh, the first two episodes of this podcast, they didn't teach us any words. What they did was talked about how the language works and then said, it's one of the hardest languages in the world to learn. <laughs> So my attempt to try and get ahead of the thing a little bit and learn some of the words, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to put a lot more effort in than just listen to a couple of podcasts this time around. Have you ever um, tried something like a Rosetta Stone, which is supposed to be geared on how you would learn a language from being a child? I haven't, no, because they cost money. Right. <laughs> I get that. Um, well, I had a buddy yeah. who, um, he's a he's a fellow programmer, and he was looking to do... Um, some code breaking stuff or something like that, or, or was in line to be doing something like that for the government. And it was in the times when everybody had the fever for nine 11 revenge, even though they were trying to make it sound like they were just trying to make it safe again, it was all about the revenge. And mm-hmm. he was attempting to learn Arabic and various um, dialects. Is that the right, or, you know, like the yeah. various ver- variations of the language, I think. Yeah. So various dialects of Arabic and things like that. Yeah, and um, it's a very widely spoken language in a lot of countries. There's a lot of variations. <laughs> right. And so he was using a Rosetta Stone and it was actually making pretty decent headway, but still was quite frustrated. And um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how he got a hold of that Rosetta Stone. He probably pulled the trigger on buying it. Yeah. Um, but there are ways to get a hold of Rosetta Stone that you don't have to necessarily pay a lot for. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it depends how serious I am. I mean... I started listening to podcasts from there um, just to sort of get an idea of what to expect when I go because I don't like going somewhere just being an ignorant tourist. I really can't do that. So uh, I listened to a couple of people who did like a travel vlog who'd been there and, you know, their experiences and where to go and what to do. Um, and it, it it does sound pretty cool. 
but it just sounds like everybody speaks English. And and all the podcasts, they're all British people doing these podcasts and radio shows and everything else. It just seems right. <laughs> so I'm like, um, but I, I still want to be able to do the, you know, the right greetings and everything else when I get there. So, and I, and it's sort of a family thing now because, uh, so I didn't tell you, Lavinia went to school out there. Okay. So after this trip that her work is paying for, we're staying on a couple of extra days because her sister lives there. Uh, has done for quite a few years and she's been nagging us to go anyway so this has all kind of fallen into place quite nicely but she went to school um about an hour away from dubai <laughs> her parents moved her out there when she was eight and it was an international school so that's where she learned english which is why she speaks better english than most people i know um, <laughs> including me who has been yeah. <laughs> learned of it his entire life and it's yeah. pretty much sole language <laughs> I, I know enough spanish to get myself shot and or beat up <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, she corrects me enough. Um, so, so one of the things we're going to do is just jump in the car and go down and go to the old town where she went to school so she could do the memory lane thing. So that'd be really cool for her. Um, wow, so this is actually so. like um, almost like a nostalgic trip on top of it, which makes it all that much more rewarding for this neat little award that she got. This is very cool. It's very cool, yeah. And uh, what's also very cool is uh, for a couple of the things, because it is a work thing, um they're like right there's going to be a couple of work meetings for the people from the company were there so the spouses uh for one of the meetings they said we'll pay for a spa treatment for your spouse like <laughs> get in um oh by the way it's a seven star hotel didn't mention that so i'm looking forward to that deep tissue massage thank you very much seven but, star hotel <laughs> seven star yeah that's yeah. a thing apparently <laughs> okay so if it's a seven star hotel and you're going to get a deep tissue massage what's the over and under that you're going to also get a big finish at the end there I <laughs> know, no, no, God no. <laughs> um, look, I'm American. That's how we look at massages. Whether or not there's a nice finish at the end, or the happy finish, or whatever they call it. Because if that doesn't exist, that's not actually a massage. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't go to this place. Um, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you all when I come back. It's going to be an amazing experience. And there's some stuff that they've got planned. They're not telling us. And one of the oh, mornings, that's always good. let's let's go to a foreign country I've never been to before and do things that I'm not even going to know what's going to happen, <laughs> but it's going to be a pleasant surprise. They made a movie called Hostel about stuff like that. For you, boss. <laughs> I know. Hey, I'll be up for that. Um, so <laughs> you'd be up this... for being tortured relentlessly to death. Cool. Maybe you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm open minded. <laughs> but apparently one of the things people do a lot is skydive tandem skydive over the palm. Uh, which is the island that they built and then put hotels on. This hotel we're staying is on one of the palm fronds into the bay there. Um, but apparently loads of people skydive into that. There is a, a zip line that goes 80 kilometers per hour. And I'm like, oh, I hope we're doing that. That would be awesome. <laughs> Sign me right up for that one. All the stuff you um, just said, there's a whole bunch of nope for me. <laughs> uh, I will, we'll get to the skydive thing. I've got to do that in two months time anyway. So, um, so they've got all these activities and whatever. And then so, so there's another meeting, I think, on the Friday morning. And they're like, well, you could just use the facilities, hang out by the pool, go to the gym, whatever, while we have this meeting. And uh, her sister said, nope, I'm coming to get him. And she's going to pick me up in her car. And we're driving out into the sand dunes. And we're just going to jump her four by four over her sand dunes for a morning. <laughs> I think. Oh, wow. Because that, that's one of her hobbies. She just fucks off into the desert and tries to go up the side of a sand dune and not take her foot off the throttle when she hits the top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're a family of petrol heads. It's a, it's a thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that sounds like um, 
adrenaline junkies, more or less, but mostly by motor mm. vehicle. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome. So, <laughs> uh, but but one, one of like, so they sent this like the t- the itinerary that is there. They sent us, and then they get this this pile of paper. I'm like, what the hell is all that? And it's just pages and pages of pictures of clothing. And it's like, yeah, I've got to buy an entirely new wardrobe. It's like, this is what you should wear by the pool. This is what you should wear for casual lunch. This is what you should wear for smart dinner. This is what you should wear for golf. This is what it's like. Oh, God. And it's like. So their poolside uh, has a dress code? Uh, I, I think it's the company doesn't want you embarrassing the company who's putting on this lavish thing. They don't because they trust their employees, but they've got no idea who the fuck us spouses are, basically. Right. So <laughs> you know, this is the sort of thing my wife should never win because you know how I react to being told how to dress. <laughs> I'm thinking it's just like, yeah, it, yeah. Spouses could be metalhead bikers with you know bad language and yeah, mm. <laughs> just let the side down slightly. So there's one of these things that said, uh, you have a choice. This In this particular sl- time slot, you can either go on a boat cruise around the bay or you can go and play golf with the CEO of the multinational corporation. I'm like, boat, please. <laughs> Keep me as far away from the company so I do not fuck up my wife's future. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do not want to jeopardize her career. So I'm so fucking nervous about this because I'm just like, oh, my best behavior. Uh, I just feel like people say, what do you do for a living? I'll go, oh, I'm a yoga instructor. Then they just won't want to talk to me. <laughs> so. I do a very specialized form of yoga as instruction. <laughs> See, that's we'll the thing it. about my career. All I have to do is tell people that I'm a software developer, and then they'll say something like, oh, like this, this, and this, and I'll go, no, I write banking software. They immediately don't want to talk to me about my career anymore. <laughs> do you say I'm a world-famous podcaster? That's what you should open with. Oh, I, I, maybe, um, you like my stuff, so I guess I'm world famous. Exactly. <laughs> I different can say con- internationally famous. How about that? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. All, all you need is a listener on a different landmass. You, you it qualifies. That's it. <laughs> um, I, I suppose the only place it's slightly bullshit is you can't call it a profession because professionals get paid. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. I, I could just say that I am a podcaster with international acclaim. Ah, that's see, that's using words good. You know what's really what's really <laughs> funny is like when I talk about my regular show, um, I'm always like downplaying it, and I'm always trying to talk people out of listening to it. Well, get the shit you say on that. Sometimes I'm not surprised. Right. Well, my, my wife is automatically like, you know, like we, when we were away on our our um, most recent uh, recreation of our honeymoon vacation trip, where we went back to Niagara Falls and such. The bed and mm. breakfast that we were staying at um, was like a. But it was just outside. It was like Niagara on the lake. And um, there were a bunch of ladies that were very uh, um, very well-spoken, very highly educated. They're all involved in the theater. And they came to Niagara on the lake for like the a certain showing of this particular theatrical season that happens in Niagara on the lake. Because I guess that's one of the cultural centers for this like amazing theater that they have there. And mm. um, so like it was like everybody else in the bed and breakfast that was staying there was there for like that taking in that particular thing over this this weekend of like this particular play and everything like that and there's like a couple of different places well they're all very well spoken they're very cultured very intelligent women and gentlemen and um my wife mentions that i do a podcast to them like you know during one of our little brunches at the bed and breakfast kind of thing and they all immediately get interested in it because mostly all i've really talked about is you know asking them questions about them 
Because, you know, I'm not fucking interesting. I'm a software developer that writes banking software. Nobody cares about that. And the the minute they get um, something like that to kind of glom onto, like, oh, you do creative things too. Okay. Mm. You know? And I'm like, oh, I don't don't know if you guys would like it. And then they immediately, like, get their interest (laughs) peaked more because I'm like, oh, fuck, what am I doing? (laughs) And they're like, well, why not? I'm like, well, we kind of are like American shock jock radio from, like, the late 90s. You know, where we just kind of say whatever shit comes to our mind and we don't think about it and we don't have to censor ourselves because we're a podcast and it's a movie review show. So we talk about whatever movies and it's kind of based on, um, you know, finding things that may be psychologically damaging or, you know, like uh, it's an indictment of, you know, where is where's the line for art and exploitation? And, you know, as I'm describing it more and more they're becoming more and more fascinated and interested and i'm like no seriously i don't i don't think you guys would like it it's really kind of vile and and offensive and they're like oh really you know they're like well how bad can it be and they're like what's it called now and i'm like uh cinema psyops (laughs) um you know and they're like okay and where is this and they're like one of them is googling it as we're talking <laughs> and i'm like please yeah don't and she scrubs through and just stops halfway through an episode just hears americans a bunch of cunts right and i'm just i'm just like oh. shut up are you talking about penises right right and i'm just like and i'm like i'm telling them about it and i and i was like look ladies and, and gentlemen if you if you are going to listen to this show please do me the favor of waiting until i am completely gone <laughs> and try and remember these nice interactions that we have had over these various breakfasts at this bed and breakfast and and how cordial and wonderful you may or may not have thought I was before you see the me that has no filter. Please. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I, I had actually made by sort of my customers of a similar sort of societal ilk and they, they've sort of said, oh, you do podcasts? Yeah, yeah. Oh, what's your podcast called? Ah, you wouldn't like it. <laughs> Um, it was about where I did my other one. And again, I was just thinking, my brain goes back to what did I say on the last three shows? It's like, would, that would be offensive. Oh, I talked about work. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> no, I, I tried to avoid talking about my job at all because just in case. Uh, but nowadays it's much easier because when they ask, I just say, oh yeah, I do a horror movie podcast and they're all far too well to do to watch horror movies. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah. And one of the things is like, whenever you say the name for my show, Cinema PsyOps, people automatically be like, right, what's that about? Like yeah. it's, it's it's automatically intriguing because psyops is a a term that if you do know what it means you automatically are like right okay psychological operations psychological warfare very interesting and about movies okay like it it piques interest automatically or if they see so, the logo it does too. So I just thought it was about films and that awesome game that was on the PlayStation Two that they've never remade for a better generation of console, which I'm very disappointed about. <laughs> I loved that game. Right, but that that term has some baked-in interest to it, and then, you know, when you try to explain to them why the name is that the way that it is, that it's, you know, the psychological warfare of movies, you know, basically, (laughs) when you try and distill Mm. it down, and then you try to underplay that, it just does not work for me. (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell you the number of people that my wife has mentioned that I do a podcast trying to force me to talk to people when I'm, like, when I'm not on mic, I'm socially awkward as fuck. Hmm. You know, like it's it's total like pump up the volume scenario. And so yeah. she's trying to get me out of my shell and to talk to people and to get people interested in me. So she automatically uses that, you know, mm. and then every single time I'm like, oh, you wouldn't like it. <laughs> oh, hey, maybe I say, well, that would be the irony because like, once you're doing this show, you could say, well, I, I do this show as well, which is obviously oh, it's way less rude. But of course, the title is way more rude. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, oh, you do a podcast? How highbrow is that? It's called Bullshit Artists. 
And it's just basically two guys talking to each other because they have an unrequited bromance that is separated by continents. <laughs> well, that and we have other shows where we could talk to each other on them, but have to rein in the fucking rabbit holes and randomness in order to try and fit a pre-designed model and are looking for an outlet where we can just fucking side swipe off into a complete tangent and talk about whatever the fuck. Thus, again, on our second show, 46 minutes in, and we have not touched on the subject we had planned for the last show and said we'd pick up in this one. (laughs) So should we do it now then? (laughs) Should we use that as a really fucking heavy-handed segue? (laughs) Yes. Okay. I prefer my segues and love to be heavy-handed. Okay. <laughs> As I still from my previous co-host, it was a, it was a lovely, a lovely comment he made once. It was like, "Mind your toes, my segue's coming through." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what you wanted to talk about? Because this is we we are October. October is looming. The wonderful thirty-one uh, days, and yeah, as we're rolling because- into it. Um, right now, this is like the last week of September as we're recording this, and hopefully this will be out just before October hits, so. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> so, well, at least us, before October ends. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. But I will be in Dubai. Anyway! Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> this is editing by the pool in 40 degree heat. But anyway, that's, 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 that's neither here nor there. For us, this is our festive season, because we are massive horror nuts. And uh, it's like Christmas, meh. but Halloween, yay. <laughs> well, for me, it's more Halloween for the longest time was denied to me. Um, there was mm. a certain period of my time as a child that the pastor in my mother's church was adamant against wearing costumes and celebrating Halloween, even on the most basic go trick-or-treating level that nobody really thinks about because of the implications of Salwin and all yeah. of the other things that are pagan and anti-God and that the devil is in the Halloween and, and Satan is there waiting for you and that you shouldn't celebrate it, you know, mm-hmm. that that kind of thing. So I, I want to say... We have parallel lives, dude, seriously. <laughs> probably about, I would say probably about nine or ten years old is, you know, like key trick-or-treating time, you mm. know. Um, my sister was already out of it, so like she had just basically, she's about three years older than me, so... About the time that I was 9 or 10 is about the time that she was less interested in going out and doing trick-or-treating or anything like that and just, mm. you know, wanted to go do other things and fit in and be normal. Meanwhile, I'm sitting at home alone, really depressed and sad every single Halloween that I couldn't go trick-or-treating for like two to three years in a row. And then eventually I just started, you know, dressing up for Halloween and going to school anyway, regardless of being able to trick-or-treat and just basically as a form of rebellion. So... Every year when Halloween comes rolling around, I'm trying to make up for lost time. You yeah. Know, as much <laughs> as I can. So whenever I... Your sp- fucking costumes are man- like, manic. They're awesome. <laughs> well, I got into special effects um, because of a friend of mine was really into it. Um, he's no longer with us. And so my my Halloween costume every year doubles as sort of like a tribute to him. You know, mm. is okay. like a, a th- this is for you, you know. <laughs> So, like, the the better ones that I've done and the ones that I've really, really worked on are the years that I miss them more. <laughs> mm. uh-huh. So, you know, it's just it's just one of those things. And I don't want to bring everybody down on that, but that's that's also part of it. And it's, you know, it, Halloween is a, huh. is a holiday where it should be bittersweet for me because it's more important to me than Christmas. And everybody else looks at Christmas as, like, a family get-together 
celebrating holiday and it's you know it's supposed to be a time of giving and a time of you know all of that kind of stuff and i've really tried to usurp those feelings and put that in towards halloween where it's remembrance it's it's all of the things that have gone before because in a lot of cultures it's you know the spirits of the dead come back with us and we must honor mm. them and, and that kind of idea and i really get into that i really love that idea while i don't have any spiritual feelings at all myself the mm. catharsis of those types of rituals and those those belief structures can still mean something to me you know um i know that my friend can't see that i made this costume in tribute to him but in my head i know that that's the thing that exists now you know that i did this for him regardless of whether or not and this is the first time i've ever really shared that with anybody that that's what i do so hey <laughs> but you know so <laughs> and uh getting into podcasting getting on to social media because i avoided social media until i became a podcaster because that's not my thing and, and now i'm hooked on it apparently um <laughs> But it's also a way to keep tabs on all my podcaster buddies and everything like that. And that's just what I like to do. Um, that 31 Days of Halloween thing started really kicking off like the four years ago that I got into doing podcasting and seeing social media. So that became something that I was all about because I'm like, yes, I want to watch as much horror as possible. And I did a thing years and years ago that I started doing where it's like as soon as October hits, it's all horror or horror related or Halloween related stuff doesn't matter what it is but it has to be horror halloween um i'll even take hard sci-fi as long as it has some scary moments to it too you know right but like that's all the media i will consume that's all the music i will consume and that's it you know like so some of the podcasts that aren't like specifically horror related that's that's it the only thing i let go on that is like my own show if i just had it scheduled to do other things then i would do other things and that's how it's going to be um, yeah, but you're talking to Matt every week, so there's always an element of horror. <laughs> right. Um, I've since moved that over to trying to watch as much horror or Halloween-related material as I possibly could. And so the hashtag of 31 Days of Halloween for me has been more about how much stuff can I cram in. And last year, I did over 131 days of Halloween-related materials. So, nice. Some of that was actually TV series as as well. And right. I only counted watching the TV series um as one and I had to watch at least a movie's worth of material before I would count it, you know. Okay. Mm. Um but like I would watch an entire run like of say like I think I watched all of Ash versus Evil Dead like both season 1 and 2 and only <laughs> counted that as one entry as just watching Ash versus Evil Dead. And wow. this was this was before season 3 would hit out, you know. Mm. And, and so like I was doing stuff like that or any movie I would watch and all of those kind of things. And the way that I was able to do that is I would just get a bunch of stuff downloaded to my phone. And instead of listening to podcasts, I would have horror movies playing on my phone while I'm working. Ah, I see. Right. That's how you did it. <laughs> right. So, like, I was guaranteed eight hours a day of where I could view stuff and get that much stuff in as possible. But uh, before I actually started podcasting, I watched anywhere from three to five movies a night before I would eventually be able to overcome my insomnia and fall asleep, sometimes more. Wow. Um, and then my wife got me into episodic TV because that was her thing. And then, granted, episodic TV has become really good, particularly with streaming stuff where you get to see episodic um, shows and things like that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's Gilmore Girls, so, yeah, that's... Yeah. Um, the same person that did that is also responsible for Marvelous Miss Maisel. Miss Maisel. <laughs> it's yes. fucking brilliant. And, I and love that show. That's their magnum opus. That is... 
that is everything Gilmore Girls was leading up to because it was like, here's your squeaky clean daytime drama for American audiences, but here's our here's where our uh, sense of humour actually lies and our razor fucking wit brought to you without, you know, filters. Um, I thought that was superbly done. Loved right. it. And see, the the thing with that, the Gilmore Girls is it's a little too saccharine and um, mm. upbeat and, you know, normal for me. And I, I just <laughs> I can't get into that. Miss Maisel is enough dark and fucked up and they put Lenny Bruce in it. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> OK, so um, this year, what I'm planning to do for my 31 days of Halloween and to try and um, help celebrate uh, Alamo Drafthouse is a, a theater chain. It started out as one in texas and now has kind of become like a franchise there are two actual alamo draft house theaters in my town tell me they sell beer yes absolutely okay let's get a draft house without (laughs) okay just checking (laughs) not only do they sell beer but they actually have wait staff that will serve you food and beer during the film and they have a very strict policy of no talking no texting Oh, okay. You, you raise an order card if someone is bothering you in that way, shape, or form. The management will give them one warning, and then if they continue, they will be ejected from the theater without a refund. Oh, that's fucking awesome. I love this place already. Right. Right. I'm looking at flights for next October. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, they do... The Alamo Draft House is a thing that's called Draft House of Horrors. I was made aware of this last year because I went to a handful of these events because they were films that I wanted to see, and it, it just fit into my schedule. One of the mm. things that I did was I met Don Coscarelli and actually got to see Phantasm uh, with awesome. a Q&A afterwards, and then he did a signing ahead of time. Uh, he's an amazing ah. man. It was just so much fun. And this is what got me wanting to do Draft House of Horrors for sure. Mm. So this year, I bought basically festival passes where I could get and watch any of the movies and or all of the movies and or screenings. Um, some of them are live Q and A's. A few of them are marathons as well. And I also bought them for myself and my wife. And so, nearly every single day in October, I will be going to one of the two locations for a screening of films. Brilliant. Uh, some of them are actually going to be marathons, um, and they're <laughs> usually they're usually Saturdays, and they're going to be all days into the nights. And I'm so stoked about this. Uh, Basically because this will be the first sort of official film festival that I've been able to go to. Granted, it's one every night and it's not like the normal ones where you cram in seven or eight a day, you know, Mm. in a single theater where your ass falls asleep and you may or may not have depends on to keep you going. (laughs) But it's still something that I'm very stoked about. And it was actually very reasonably priced to buy these passes that you could get into everything. Mm. Um, My wife and I did the calculations. I think it's like if you saw 15 of the total 31 events. You would you would cover the price, yeah, um, for the massive thing, and that's not even counting that some of them are twice as expensive because they're movie marathons or anything like that. So, so what's the mix of movies, old and new, or is it all new stuff? Oh, it's all sorts of stuff. Um, here's the lineup, right? Um, October first is Once Bitten, the comedic horror film starring Jim Carrey, where Lauren Hutton turns him into a vampire, uh, and he's a virgin. That's being screened in 35 millimeter on October first. I didn't even know that existed. Right, okay, carry on. <laughs> um, now, at the same night, at the different location, they're screening The Lost Boys. Mm. Right? Oh, I'd love to see it on the big screen. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's the one that my wife and I went or, or, I went and chose because it's on the same night. And I think we chose The Lost Boys over Once Bitten because I'd seen Once Bitten. I like it. I enjoy it. There's nothing wrong with that. And the fact that it would be in 35 millimeters is not enough to draw me. 
Mm. It's a perfectly funny film. It's pretty serviceable, but there's a few things about it that I don't like, and I'm just not going to go. Uh, yeah. Uh, mainly Jim Carrey and a comedy, and there's a little bit of homophobia in it because it is an 80s movie. Yeah, of course. That's hard to avoid in that time. Yeah. Uh, then um, the next night, Forbidden World. Um, I don't know much about it other than the description is the seed is planted, the nightmare grows. Uh, okay. It's old school, <laughs> and it's um, it's going to be the, the next night, and my wife and I both are going to probably be going to that. Um, now we're talking new stuff. They're doing an advanced screening where you get like a sneak peek. Hmm. That one is going to be Daniel isn't real. Don't know anything oh, yes. about it. I'm so excited. Sorry. <clears throat> okay. I take it. You have seen this in one of your many festivals. I have seen it and I'm saying nothing, but good for you. The overjoying excitement that you're having right now just tells me that my <laughs> wife and I picked well to see that one. I, I hope your opinion is the same because horror is. I always say you like so many horror films end up with three stars because you'll get a load of people who give it five, you'll get a load of people who give it one. Um, I think Daniel Isn't Real will probably end up with a higher overall rating because I think it's going to be people love it and people kind of like it. I don't think anyone's actually going to hate it. So I'll be interested to see how it ends up sort of on the IMDb's and so on. But um, weirdly, I at Fright Fest this year, uh, my friend John... Uh, sort of said, come to the Phoenix Club with me, which is, they have like a karaoke night on, after one of the dates. But if you watch the last film, then go, it's difficult to get in because it's such a small venue. So we basically, he convinced me to blow off this film and we went and queued up outside the club. And so I ended up standing in this queue for like 40 minutes talking to the director of Daniel Isn't Real. <laughs> Without even really realizing it. No, I knew who he was because oh. he'd done a Q&A. Okay. Um, and we talked about anything but his movie. So it was really interesting. <laughs> We got onto weird uh, creature movies that should be made, and he said that he would, somebody should make one about meerkats. And I said, well, there'd be public outcry in the UK because we have these adverts on the television with fluffy meerkats that everybody loves and like would really upset people. So, yeah, absolutely, you should do that. <laughs> <laughs> very super nice guy. But that, that's just a weird, really weird coincidence. Right. So I'm very excited yeah. for this one. This is going to be one that I'm, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to more. Um, the one that I'm going to end up having to miss, though, which I'm kind of sad about, but at the same time, I'm okay with, they're doing, um, I guess, Richard P. Rubenstein, who was the producer of the original Dawn of the Dead, hmm. has supervised and or is looking to get more money out of Dawn of the Dead by doing a 3D restored version that's being screened. Um, my wife and I are going to a concert that night, so we're not going to see that interesting it's intriguing to me but it was also mm. one where i'm not super sad to miss um yeah totally fine with that because what's happening the next day is so much more exciting for me boz okay go go <laughs> i'm excited for you <laughs> saturday october 5th um uh, mm. they are actually going to be screening an italian giallo marathon <sighs> yeah Oh my god, you have to wear black leather gloves. <laughs> I have some for that, yes. Um, <laughs> my wife was actually um, shockingly really into this. Uh, yeah? I was actually like thinking, oh no, she wouldn't want to see this. But when they announced it, and uh, you know, it was one of the things she was looking over the calendar to see if she wanted to do it too. She was hmm. like, you know, I think I want to go the full badge and not just the regular screenings because I really want to see this Italian Giallo Marathon. She's like, I really like some of those Italian slasher movies. And, awesome. And I was like, could I marry you all over again? You were the perfect say, woman. 
<laughs> so you were just going about my badassery of my wife. I think you just hashtag keeper. <laughs> yeah. Well, and um, here's the here's the list. They did an excellent curation of this marathon. Uh, lizard in a woman's skin. Mm-hmm. Don't torture a duckling. So oh. you have two very classic Fulchies and some of his best work in both of those. Particularly yep. Don't Torture a Duckling. A Lizard in a Woman's Skin is great, don't get me wrong, but Don't Torture a Duckling is probably the finest Jello, um, not just because Fulci made it, but just probably one of the finest Jellos ever. I absolutely mm-hmm. love it. Um, then we're going to go, I don't know what order they're going to be in, but this is just how they have them listed. Next is Opera, Dario Argento's Opera, which, <sighs> is the, which is the one that brought my wife into wanting to do it because she really dug Opera. Um and she was absolutely right to call it an Italian slasher because that's what that was. <laughs> yeah. Know, a There's a scene in that movie that actually fucked me up a little bit for a little while. Oh, really? Um, very strange, the effect it had on me. Um, and it's the, it's the bullet down the peephole. Yes. Oh, very, very interesting and well done shot. Have you ever seen the behind yeah. the scenes of that? It's so incredible no. how they built that. I, I should have to look it up because it, it, it's so long ago that I last saw it that it... There's a version of it in my brain, which is probably way worse than it actually plays out because it had this profound effect on me on what a horrible thing to happen and just such a perfect kill. Um, I think it was the deviousness of it. I don't know. It just really had an effect on me that did. Well, and the thing that's really interesting about that is in one shot, he, the the killer in this film gets impatient and does a shot through the, the people like that basically murders the person protecting his torment victim and destroys the phone while she's trying to call for help all in one smooth shot. And then they also yeah. do that in the film as one continuous shot where you see the 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 bullet come out of the head and hit the phone as well. Um, it like cuts to that and then it goes through the person's head and into the phone behind her, you know, with the person that's mm. on the phone watching this all happen and screaming and it's in super slow motion and it's just really effective, and it's just wonderful, and I'm not going to be able to contain my joy of seeing that on the big screen. Again, big screen. I'm so jealous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the last but not least, A Bay of Blood, which is the template for the first two Friday the 13th movies kill-wise. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, it, is, it is Mario Bava, so given the way that you reacted to some other Mario Bava films that I've shown you, you may not like it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I liked bits. <laughs> Uh, for reference, go see cinema, Obsessive Cinema Discourse. <laughs> right. So that yeah. marathon I'm super stoked for. Um, I totally cannot wait at all. Um, and especially since my wife is just as excited for that. Um, we have a Val Luton uh, Cat People double feature. Um, not sure I'm going to be going to that one yet or not. Um, some of the ones that are happening on Sundays are still up in the air because my wife can't do it, but I may go on my own. Um, okay. Competing with that is the Australian gross-out meltdown movie Body Melt. Have I seen that? That rings a bell, but I don't think I've seen it. Uh, it is. What year is that? Um, like the eighties? No, nineties. 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 Okay. Yeah. Right. So it is right around the time of like Dead Alive. Um, it is one mm. of the more infamous meltdown movies, and it's just gotten, I believe, an Arrow UK release. And I know it's been released over here by Severin on in the states. So you may have seen it posted via social media. Ah, uh, okay. It's probably what it is then. So right. it's a restoration. Absolutely. Um, now there's also options for tigers are not afraid and nightmare on Elm street as a movie party. That's something that Alamo does where you get props and you get to go (laughs) now. Um, the nightmare on Elm street movie party is happening again at another location. So we're going to be doing that later on. 
Right. Um, and Tigers Are Not Afraid is currently on Shutter. And while I would love to go see it, they're also airing both of those on a night that I normally record my podcast, and that has to come first. Oh, but dude, on the big screen. I know. Mm, I know. Uh... I know. <laughs> it's so good. Um, they do. <clears throat> they do um, have, I believe, another screening that could possibly be happening because this schedule is always in flux. So if there's another one, I might go see it on the big screen, regardless. I, I, it's. I'm actually pissed off that it's on Shudder. In all honesty, because it took us such a long time to come out, and the buzz around it is not misplaced. And <clears throat> this, this whole thing about the Oscars and the fact they won't look at horror as a genre at all. And uh, if you compare it to like Tarantino's latest offering, which probably will get nominations for a couple of things, because that's normally what happens. And you're like, it, it should be up there. For, there's various things about it that it, it should absolutely qualify. And it doesn't even get a cinema release because we're so, Although horror is one of the biggest money makers, it's still like it's not tolerated enough in cinemas. I just don't know why. And it isn't that divisive a movie. Is it just because it's subtitled? I don't know. I don't know what it is, but... Um, it's probably the subtitles. That's a big turnoff for a lot of folks, even in the horror community still. I mean, there's there's a very rare breed of international horror fanatics, usually that has to be in their own native language. You know, I mean... There are plenty of us that are like you and I, where we will consume literally anything if it's told. We're told it's horror. We're just like, yes, yeah. throw it our way. Subtitles, fine. Give it to me. Yeah. Don't ever <laughs> give me. Don't ever give me someone else's performance over the top of that actor, because that actor was paid to do that role. That's the voice I want to hear that goes with that performance. I don't want someone else's non-performance over the top of that actor's performance. That is not art. That is an abomination. And I never want to see it. That's, um, that may be why you have a big problem with Italian cinema, because a lot of <laughs> Italian cinema, for the bulk of it, is just overdubbed all the time. Yeah, yeah it's all ADR, are, isn't it? Yeah, 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 are always replaced. <laughs> so I believe that that may be where we may have found your automatic knee-jerk nope reaction to a lot of Italian cinema. Yeah, but I do. I love some of them. It's, it's like... The better yeah, done it's... dubs are when the actors get to redub their own performance. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's it, yeah. Um, that could be it another screening i'm super excited for the wolfman's got nards documentary with a oh yes with a live q a um star andrew gower will actually be in attendance i i happen to know um that he's very good value in fact if you want either a sneak preview preview of you don't want to ruin it after you've done that um go to my friend mitch's podcast strong language and violent scenes and look for their celluloid scream special from last year, um, because he was the guest on that show, and they they recorded it live at the festival, um, and that's my horror festival that I go into in October in Sheffield. Um, and he was he was great value, it was really funny. <laughs> so that uh, is a little recommendation uh, there. That live Q and A is actually competing with the Spanish version of Dracula from 1931. Uh, which Ooh. we have covered on the podcast uh, for Cinema PsyOps. I actually made Matt do a compare and contrast with the mm. original and the Spanish version. It was like a little experiment and it actually turned out quite well. Uh, when was that? Oh, gosh, ages ago. Um, it was one of our, um, when I was still doing the uh, remedial horror line of stuff with it. Um, uh, it might have been, yeah, because I never got to go back, unfortunately. I just didn't have time. <laughs> so I missed it that way. But. Yeah. 
But um, that I actually prefer the Spanish version of Dracula 1931. I think it's a much better produced film. I think if you could lift the guy playing Dracula out of that film and put Bela Lugosi in that film, you would have an unimpeachable film of just amazing caliber. Uh, Todd Browning was a bit of a lazy director with that film of Dracula. There's plenty of things like cardboard glued to or, or taped to lights that were left in shots and things like that. <laughs> and the Spanish, yeah, just... <laughs> the Spanish production, there's the Spanish language production was actually seeing the dailies of what that the crew they were competing against were doing before they would went would go and shoot. And then they're like, yeah, we can do better than that. So they automatically were like one upping them all the time. <laughs> That sounds cool. I should. Uh, I will go. Is it? Is your? Does your feed go back that far? I guess it doesn't. No, it does. It does. Okay. It goes I'll back move, to. I'll... It goes back to episode one. I went and manually. Shit. I went and manually posted like at five episodes at a time. I went and went manually posted the back episodes and then backdated the blog posts to make sure that they would stay in the right order. Holy shit! That's effort. <laughs> that is effort. Ah, uh, yeah. You know me. I'm obsessive like that. Um. <laughs> so. Uh, Wednesday, October 9th, they're going to do Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, with a live Q&A. So I believe that Mark Patton, um, the actual person that was in Nightmare on Elm Street 2, that that documentary is based upon and what happened with that film being made, I believe he will okay. be in attendance with the audience. And if that's the case, um, I'm really looking forward to and I'm hoping that he'll do a signing so I can at least meet him and uh, also ask if I can give him a hug. Okay. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. Just be like, I just want to give you a hug. Is that okay? If not, cool. I understand. <laughs> um. Then, uh, Teen Wolf will be the following night in 35 millimeter. I'm super oh, stoked for that. Yes. <laughs> um. We also have um going to be doing a Evil Dead in the 4K restoration that Blue Under not Blue Underground, but um. Uh, Grindhouse releasing did here uh, in in the states. Um, there's going to be a 4K restoration of that that I'm going to go to. There was an Army of Darkness okay. movie party, but they're rescreening that elsewhere. So I'm going to go with the Evil Dead restoration instead. Yeah, that sounds a good move. <laughs> We're up to another movie marathon. This one I'm less excited about, but my wife is way more excited about. So I'm going to give it a shot. A lot of these films are not my. Um, my forte and anyone who's listened to the 90s series of teapots will understand why but this is called the teenage wasteland marathon um it is going to be scream i know what you did last summer urban legend and (laughs) final destination amazing (laughs) right if 90s scream fashioned horror is your thing this marathon is for you I'm excited for Urban Legend and Final Destination for sure. I am not a fan of Scream, although I am less hateful about it than I have been in the past. And I may or may not have played up my hate for it for the Teapot Summer Series just to play the heel of the show like I'm supposed to. Um, And I really, I remember being completely nonplussed about I Know What You Did Last Summer altogether and really disliking it. So I'm not really into that. Although I remember liking Urban Legend and thinking, wow, this is at least a little different. You know, mm, yeah, it was all right. Yeah. I, I mean, I had such a crush on Jennifer Love Hewitt that I just it didn't matter how bad the film was. <laughs> Same. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> she's she's on my not allowed list. <laughs> Do you have a not allowed list? Um, not allowed, as in you're not allowed to, even if you get a chance. 
Yeah, basically. And like, we keep having this argument. Lavinia keeps saying, no, you don't have a list. I'm like, no, I do have a list. Because I still get to have a list because it's not allowed. So everyone else has an allowed list. I have a, if ScarJo turns up with, you know, the, 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 the required attire and a bottle of wine and here's a bed, we're going to do this thing. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry, I'm not allowed. <laughs> but were I allowed, you'd definitely be on the list. Goodbye. So that's how it gets to play out. <laughs> so I call it my not allowed list there. <laughs> um, yes, I would say that I certainly have one. Um, most of the people that are on it are past. <laughs> so it's okay then. Like, it's okay for my wife. My wife doesn't get jealous if I lust after um, people who are no longer with us because it's never going to happen unless I time travel. Right. Um, so that's usually okay. Um, but then there are certain um, celebrity crushes that we're really talking about here that I have that she will tease me about. Um, for instance, Jennifer Connelly. Every time Jennifer Connelly's on screen, she gets oh. super jealous about Jennifer Connelly and calls yeah. her my quote-unquote girlfriend and teases me about it. <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, give an half a chance. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, oh, you, yeah, you, know, just, you know, there is, there is oh, that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I do, I do have that list. So I totally get yeah. Jennifer Love Hewitt on that. Um, and also Sarah Michelle Gellar, if anybody who crushes on her, I would totally understand that as well. Um, but that so teenage wasteland is going to be more or less more for my wife being really into it, and then basically me being there enjoying like two thirds <laughs> of what's happening. <laughs> yeah. You know, because but I mean the thing is though it's a festival atmosphere and they're films that everybody's seen, so no one's worried about spoilers. So like the thing I I love about festivals, if you go to things like that and marathons like that, is people tend to heckle and shout shit out, and that's what makes it entertaining. So even if you don't really dig the film. Like when I went to the Friday the 13th marathon, what's the guy, Wally? You're going to die. Like every time he came on screen, everyone's like, hey, and just that great family atmosphere about it all. That's what I love. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of um, the, the those types of atmospheres. Now at the Alamo Drafthouse, I'm not sure how the marathons are going to go for that. I think mm. they're still going to require you to be respectful. However, their movie parties, you're allowed to cheer. You're not allowed to boo for characters, but you're allowed to cheer when a favorite character comes on. And oh, okay. you can quote as long as you quote along with the movie. Like, it's very specifically, that's what a movie party is. Yeah, um, yeah. I would say that in this, um, these marathons, they're not going to allow that. However, if I'm right. just not enjoying myself, I can always step outside of that particular theater location <laughs> under the guise of going to the bathroom and, you know, go wander around for a bit and then come back. Or get a fine, fine beer. Well, <laughs> I could have that delivered to me. But yes, I could also go to the bar and, you know, or, or what yeah. have you. Uh, in an Alamo Draft House, particularly some of the ones where these locations are, there's always something interesting. Um, ours in town, the one that's uh, out on the west side of town or, or further out west, has a operational Death Star like hanging above the lobby. Wow! And then off to the side, there is an Emperor's chair, and if you hit a button on the Emperor's chair, it makes the Death Star noise, and it actually does like lighting a light show that it <laughs> fires. Amazing! Yeah. <laughs> it's really fucking cool. Uh, the new Midtown location, which is actually closer to where I live, um, is actually, uh, instead of that, they have a, it's like a three-leveled building. And on the second level, uh, or no, I'm sorry, on the third level where all the theaters actually are, they have, they have, they commissioned an artist to build basically as to scale as possible, an Iron Giant statue. Um, oh, wow. it, it's standing on rubble and everything. It's amazing. It's really well built and put together. It's very, very cool. Um, Brilliant. 
they didn't really have the space to do a lot of the other kind of fun stuff that they did with the Death Star one, but the the one that's in La Vista, which is the out west version, um, that one is more Star Wars themed and specifically Star Wars themed because that's what brought in interest in everything. And then this Midtown one is more for just like the movie fanatics that want to go to that atmosphere. And then the Iron Giant, and then the, also all along the the hall um, that you would lead to the theaters are just these uh, giant movie posters from the heyday of film, like mostly Westerns and things like that, where they're like multi panels and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's, it's literally for movie fanatics, this theater, which is why I love it so much. I'm not just a shill for them. Um, I just, it just feels like home being there. No, but if, if they enforce what we call the code of compliance, when people watch movies, I wish I had a fucking cinema like that anywhere near me because the dickheads I have to, but I always sit on the front row now because like, I don't care if it's, neck craning and the screen's too close I can't see anybody in my peripheral vision, I can hear the rustling fucking packets all over the place behind me and I hear the odd phone go off but I don't see glowing screens, therefore I don't have to kill anyone, because it's I'm just so sick of it, and it's getting worse, people just they think they have a right to just do whatever the fuck they want in a cinema, and the staff are too terrified and they won't do anything about it and yeah, it's just it's becoming more of a problem did you say it was Andre Gower who was... Yes. Yes. Okay, brilliant. So you want uh, episode 56 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes where they cover Starship Troopers. It's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, here we go. So um, just, to kind of, just to kind of move through here, um, we've got Malistra or Malestra's Carnival of Blood, which is going to be a Sunday showing. Um, mm. going to be missing the 35 millimeter version of night of the demons, even though that's one of my favorite movies. Oh, I like that. I love that film. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm going to the movie party of 1999's the mummy with my wife, because she got so excited. She loves those movies and all their cornball cheesiness. And right, okay. <laughs> and also, um, uh, I'd go with the lipstick every time, but okay. That's her choice. <clears throat> <laughs> no, no. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love night of the demons, but I mean, I'm also a huge Rachel Weiss fanatic. She would also probably end up on my, you know, not allowed list, if you want to call it that. Interesting. She never did it for me, despite my thing for brunettes. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Strange. Well, uh, the thing that I think really quenched it is her badassdom in a lot of the various films that I've seen her in, and I just don't know what it is. It just it just did it for me, you know? Yeah, you do like a badass lady. Yeah. I'm going to be missing <laughs> one cut of the dead, because that'll actually be the night <gasps> I'll be recording my podcast. Oh, sacrifices i know bud i know but, but ah i know <laughs> there's also uh it's also on shutter too so i think that's why i chose to do that because my wife and i will be oh, watching okay. it on shutter after i'm done recording oh that's fine a big yeah. big screen not required for that film it's more about the experience so right and plus you've got a big screen in your fucking basement <laughs> right i mean i don't want to brag but right i was going to put it on the theater in my basement so <laughs> you know it's more you about bra- you it- bragged about that last week it's fine yeah right I- <laughs> I'm trying to not sound as much of a braggart as I came off with last time. So, <laughs> um, There's going to be a screening of The Visitor, not a film I know a lot about, but it's from 1979. That's going to be that Tuesday as well on the different location. Um, I can't believe that I'm actually going to be able to be doing this, but they're doing a beer dinner showing the Wednesday the 16th of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Um, it's a special screening, and they pair beer along with it i think they're still trying to tie down 
the special beers that are going to go along with it. So I'm going to be breaking my keto and also my not really drinking to be able to do that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm super stoked. It was a toss up between <laughs> that and Wes Craven's Shocker on 35 millimeter. Oh no 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 no! But no. when they real when they revealed that it's TCM two, I was like, "Fuck it, I don't care. I'm doing that instead." <laughs> sounds much better deal to me. I know which one I'd pick. <laughs> right. I mean, the beer dinner thing isn't really a selling point for me. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm not really a drinker. You know, I don't. It's not that I don't imbibe, but it's just that I don't enjoy it as much mm. as other folks would. But the fact that they're going to be doing a beer dinner pairing of Texas Chainsaw two makes me really interested and so i had to do that um then thursday they're doing the original diabolique a screening oh yeah um friday is rosemary's baby and the tenant in one of the locations Mm, okay uh the one that i'm super stoked about we have yet another marathon and i think this is probably going to make you cream your jeans (laughs) it's called the howl at the moon marathon can you guess (sighs) the type of marathon this is going to be oh yes Sounds right up my alley. Werewolf films. Oh, yeah. Now, again, I don't know the order of the screenings, but here are the films. Dog Soldiers. Yes. An American Werewolf in London, the 4K restoration. If it wasn't, I would have been swearing at somebody. Brotherhood of the Wolf. Oh, yeah. Okay. Respectable. Right. And Wolfen. Oh, okay. Very interesting, very different grabs of, hmm. of werewolf or werewolfism type flicks. Um, I was expecting either Silver Bullet or The Howling. Right? Apparently this is another one. They, they've done this last year, and apparently The Silver Bullet was one of the ones from last year. Okay, right. Um, and I believe they used The Howling too, so uh, The Howling as well, not The Howling 2, which is the weirdest fucking werewolf movie ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, yeah, that came out recently. Yeah, the, i tell you one that's I think vastly underrated, which I think is a whole ton of fun, and that is Cursed. Yeah, there um, are moments of Cursed. Christina are, Ricci. Yeah. I wish they wouldn't really have gone so that. CG with the werewolves, but some of the ideas are cool, and werewolfism as an STD is a really cool idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's cool. going to be a screening of Val Luton's The Leopard Man. I'm very interested in that. Val Luton's a very interesting filmmaker, uh, did a lot of really great very subversive style movies in the black and white uh, Hayes Code era of films and was able okay. to... Slip- Explains why I have no, no reference for any of that. <laughs> right. So it's it slips in a lot of um, sort of like subtle references and uh, just kind of hints at ideas and various things. And it is more about the symbolism for this type of horror. Very cerebral stuff. You know, very interesting things. Vera Luton's a very interesting filmmaker i think people should check out his stuff so i'm very stoked about that um one that i'm gonna have to find a way to make it happen uh serial mom a 25th anniversary screening i'm gonna have to go to that for sure (laughs) um so i'm gonna be missing this um dead calm 30th anniversary and 35 millimeter not a huge fan of dead calm it's okay average at best yeah um there's gonna be a rocky horror picture movie party that night so that's why i'm missing dead calm (laughs) <laughs> yes i have not seen rocky horror picture show for probably 30 some odd years oh really oh that'll be nice then right and it's going to be a movie party and it'll be a great atmosphere it'll be a yeah. blast i can't wait um take a newspaper yeah <laughs> psychos in love and the crazies um are going to be the next two nights okay the cabinet of dr caligari with a live score there's going to be live musicians performing that oh, on a thursday that's um, very cool that's been restored as well. I think Arrow... No, it wasn't Arrow. It was someone else who did it here. 
I might have been Indicator, um, or who's the other? Not Second Sight, I mean, although they do some restorations, but I believe Indicator is the one that has also been doing a lot of restoration work over there too. Right. Um, but the one that I'm actually going to be really stoked about, and we'll probably skip the da- cabinet of Doctor Caligari to do instead, is Shockwaves. Shockwave. Nazi that zombies rings- from the ocean with Peter Cushing. I don't think I've ever seen that. Oh, man, are you in for a treat if you check that one out? It's a really weird, trippy film, and hmm. scenes from Shockwaves are actually featured in um, uh, Meatballs, the original Meatballs. That's one of the movies that they're watching at the camp to keep the kids busy. <laughs> Is it right? Okay. Yeah. Um, the one that I'm the most stoked for, uh, there's a double feature of I Drink Your Blood and I Eat Your Skin. Don't know those either. <laughs> This is uh, oh, okay. So, I Eat Your Skin is actually like a sort of '50s movie um, that uh, featured cannibalism. But I Drink Your mm. Blood is a late '70s gore fest where these satanic, like almost like a Charles Manson esque cult, um, basically are LSD crazed and they get infected with rabies via meat pies. Long story <laughs> on how that happens, but it does happen. And they go shit okay. nuts and kill everybody and start like going really super crazy. And that okay. that double feature, I am dying to go see because that is an old school drive-in double feature. They were put oh. together all the time, and they are recreating it with restored versions of both films for Alamo Drafthouse, and I love that. Uh, awesome. Um, I'm going to be missing a documentary on Alien, which is like Memory, the Origins of Alien, which <clears> I, <throat> I will be able to catch eventually. I'm not that sad about, but that's okay. Um, yeah, I've heard it's all right. Right. Um. Now, on Saturday night, the 26th of October, that is when I'm doing my actual Halloween party, so not going to be able to see Dismember the Alamo this year, sadly, uh, which is a 35 millimeter film festival of just crazy weird shit that they break out of the vaults. Oh, nice. Some of it is pretty much like surprise screenings. You have no idea what's going on, and that's just how it's going to be. Hmm. Um, then Sunday, they're going to actually screen the original Trick or Treat. In 35mm, the 1986 uh, uh, The rock and roll one. Yes, with Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> yeah. and Gene Simmons. I don't know how <laughs> I'm going to be able to miss that. I just, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Monday I'll be recording, but they're actually screening Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, are they? What? The full, the um, full thing? <laughs> I, it doesn't really say, but knowing what I know about Alamo Drafthouse, more than likely they will screen it all. And they serve food during these screenings, so whoever's eating during Cannibal Holocaust... <laughs> My hats off to you, sir or madam. Uh, I, I would I would change the menu. <laughs> they usually do special screening menus sometimes with certain films, and I would be um, not shocked if they did something with Cannibal Holocaust to be sort of tongue in cheek. I have the uh, the fricassee of turtle guts, please. Right. And <laughs> now I don't know for sure if we're going to be doing this or not, but there is a screening of the subtitled version of Vampire Hunter D. So I think we oh, might okay. be doing that. Um, or we may be doing, because depending, my, my wife's not really into anime, we may do Cutting Class, the 30th anniversary edition, which is a Brad Pitt starring slasher from the early 80s. Him and Jill Schwallen are in Oh, that. really? Yeah. Never heard of it. Oh, it's such a, such a rare and interesting little gem of a film. I'm not going to say it's good, but there's certain mm. moments of it that keep me coming back to it, and I definitely won't talk down about it. Um, I'm just glad it got rediscovered because I caught it on late night cable and just really was like, wow, how have I never seen this before? Um, there's going to okay. be another screening of a film that a lot of buzz I've heard about, but I'm trying to avoid knowing too much about. But my wife is super into uh, In Fabric, 
I've heard of that. That, as far as I know, it's like a haunted dress or haunted fabric that is affecting various people who wear it. It's almost like a. I don't know if it's an anthology of stories, but it, I know it affects a bunch of different women. That's all I know about, it, and that's all I want to know. Yeah, I I haven't seen it, but I, I, it's, it's you know when you hear a film title and it's been recently mentioned somewhere, but you have so many sources of film information you can't filter out where it was. But right, yeah, it's I haven't seen it certainly. I know that. Uh, another thing that I'm super excited for uh, screening of Candyman. Oh yes. Yeah, I can't watch that enough, so I'm going to have to go for that. And then mm. finally, we're going to be on Halloween night at the Beetlejuice movie party in Midtown. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Anyone who's heard a couple's therapy that we did on Beetlejuice will know why we love that film so much and how much we both quote it. Um, to this day, <laughs> if we are still goofing around, my wife and I, and just doing something silly, if one of us makes a kind of noise, we immediately sprout into... We're ghosts. We just do that for like five minutes straight until our cats attack us to get us to shut up. That's a bit like when we go, bullshit artist. Right. Yeah, it's very similar to that. So that's the lineup. Um, That's going to be a big part of my 31 days of Halloween. And in in between all of that, recording my podcast and still trying to get a week, an episode out every single week, doing the editing, all of that, doing the prep work for it, watching the movies for that. Um, I'm still going to try and hit, um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it, but I'm going to try and hit at least a hundred movies again this October or a hundred instances of viewings that are Halloween or horror related. Um, I'm just super stoked to be able to get to all of these screenings. I mean, it's basically Mm. roughly like 31 movies that you could get into because some of them are back-to-back screenings at different locations, but yeah. There are at least 31 opportunities to watch a movie every single night in October at an Alamo Draft House here in town. And I think that's wonderful. I'm super stoked for yeah, that. That's amazing. That's very cool. I, I'm going to get to watch fuck all because I'm going to be eating <laughs> Corfu then in Dubai. But at least you won't have the pressure of having to record this because I won't be here. Uh, <laughs> but you will also uh, be in Corfu and Dubai and earning some much deserved relaxation and time alone <laughs> with the wife. Yeah, exactly. And then when we get back, literally the week we get back, we are sodding off to Sheffield uh, for our little festival thing that we try and do in um, October. And that is Celluloid Screams, which is uh, basically in the UK from bank holiday weekend in August, which is Fright Fest until Christmas, is when all of the horror shit happens, apart from Fright Fest Glasgow, which is in February. there's just sort of nothing the rest of the year. And I'm like, can't you fuckers, like, like just spread it out a bit? Because, I mean, obviously, you, don't, you won't know the geography, but there's, like, everything's up in the Midlands as well, like, up north from where we are, pretty much. And winter um, travel's always a bitch. Yeah, not so much. It's just getting north of London's always a ball ache. But, like, the Mayhem Festival is the weekend before Celluloid Screams, so it's like, which one do you want to go to? Because I used to go to Mayhem, and I loved it. But Celluloid Screams more of my Fright Fest family we call it family there's actually a documentary, you should see if you can find it there, because it's on Amazon Prime here um, and it's Fright Fest The Dark Heart of Cinema, and it's a documentary about, basically it was made on that, I think of the 18th anniversary of the festival and it talks about why it's so special and it isn't about the films and the directors and everything else that comes, it's about the family feel that I've only been going for what, five, six years now 
and after two years, I was pretty much accepted into this group of people, this sort of Fright Fest family, various factions of it. I was just hundreds of people who go. Um, but it, it, a, a lot of the people I'm now friends with are actually in talking on camera in that documentary. And it shows you just how accepting they are of just the wannabe big mouth podcaster who came along and they just sort of gave me the time of day and it's just they're such a wonderful bunch and they sort of go on mass to celluloid screams one of those people is mitch bain from the strong language and violent scenes podcast that i mentioned and uh they've got in with the organizers last year and did a live show on the thursday uh from one of the screens there which is really cool i was gutted i couldn't make it and annoyingly this year because i'm out of holiday because of these trips i'm not going to make it again if they do it this year so that's going to be twice i don't get there but i do see mitch eventually when i do arrive which is nice um now because fright fest is so big and has so many movies it's inevitable that the other festivals after it are going to be playing films i've already shown there um but very often it's like they're always good picks so it's ones you're not too bothered about seeing again uh there's one called the girl on the third floor which i heard really good things about but i'm gonna i'm not gonna be there in time to catch that because the other thing with celluloid screams it used to be friday saturday sunday they've now upped it to half of thursday all of friday whereas it used to just be sort of three in the afternoon onwards on a friday uh friday's now sort of lunchtime till one in the morning so they've, wow. they've really upped the output for this year it's, yeah they i mean it's, it's popular it's it was always going to grow because they do such a great job and they do a thing i really love is that they show short films but they always match the short films to the features so instead of doing packages of short films like they do at fright fest where you have to miss a film to go and watch a load of shorts now i love shorts i think it's a great medium um i i really like this setup where you get a good short just before the movie and they try and tie them in thematically so it works so um i love the way they program their festival uh they are playing i'll just give you some highlights i won't do the whole rundown uh one of my films of fright fest this year was uh why don't you just die <laughs> love the title yeah and it's a russian film um about a guy who's basically turned up to kill his girlfriend's father and you find out why it is he wants to do this and basically the film starts with him knocking on the front door holding a hammer behind his back and then it just goes fucking mental from that point onwards it's just insane and it's beautifully shot it's funny it's it's harsh it's it's wonderfully covered it's it's a really good film um the other thing they do is a secret film every year but this year they have two secret films so you literally have no idea what it is until they come and intro it oh see Uh, i love stuff like that that makes it so much more fun because you just have no idea what you're about to see and they're usually pleasant surprises i would assume yeah, they had the autopsy of Jane Doe. Oh, uh, pa- see, that would be so amazing to have no idea what you're getting into. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, this is why when I go to film festivals, I don't read the synopsis for anything. Right. Um, which is harsh when you've got to pick between screens. But my my model of Fright Fest of not going to Discovery screenings, waiting to see what people rave about, like The Girl on the Third Floor, I now know that's a film to try and see. Um, and then I sort of cross my fingers that it's going to be at one of the festivals I'm going to later. Um, but there's quite a few on this that weren't there to my knowledge um, which I'm looking forward to but obviously will not be reading the synopsis for <laughs> so you know uh, what I always used to do when I was a kid um, sorry to cut you off there is look hmm. at the cover read the title then maybe glance at the back at some of the stills that get popped on for the VHS tape and if that grabbed me enough to be interested in the film I would just rent it because it was yeah. three bucks or two bucks or whatever, 
or mm. five movies, five days, five dollars. So I've really tried to replicate that as much as possible now, um, especially if it doesn't cost me anything but my time for streaming on the internet, you know, with like mm. Netflix and all of that stuff. Um, when it comes to seeing movies in theaters, I want to know a little bit more, but I still kind of use that where I will look at some stills from the film, I'll look at the poster, and I may read a slight synopsis, but not really read it before yeah. I'll go see it in a theater. But something like this with a festival, I think it would be like if the title and the poster grabs me, I'll just go. Yeah, because you know you're going anyway. You're paying for a weekend pass. You're going largely to see the people who are there. Um, <laughs> the other thing is uh, I've got a fellow podcaster. He goes by Gore Blimey. Um, I know Gore. We're very good friends. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so blindside you with that one. Um, I get to see... I, I have to go to Celluloid Screams because it's my one chance each year to meet up with Gore and see him and get a, a big squidgy hug. So... Um, um, see, if I didn't have to worry about money, I would so be over there for this festival season and just hang out at all these festivals with you folks. It would be so much fun. It would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's my Stop retirement. Playing. That's my retirement plan right there. I'm just going to come to England once a year for this season and just like, <laughs> I don't know, Airbnb it or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Gore's lovely because he normally has me on for his celluloid screens roundup show as well. So we get to talk about what we've seen and so on. and. You know, it's usually we skipped out on one that he stayed for, or he slept through one that we didn't. Um, he slept through Tigers Are Not Afraid, bless him. Aww. <laughs> yeah, he was just so exhausted. I mean, but you can't blame anyone for that, because at festivals, that's just what happens. You can't help it. It's it's going to... They're late nights, and it's it's one of those things. Yeah, very little sleep, trying to cram in as much time as you can with everybody and everything. Exactly, yeah. Um, there is a film they're playing called Antrim, the deadliest film ever made, which annoyingly I'm not going to get there in time for either because we we can't get there till Friday evening. There's just no way around it. So we're basically missing the Thursday and Friday. Um, But I've heard good things about that. They are also playing Daniel Isn't Real. Um, So we'll get to see that again. Um, There's a film with um, Elijah Wood called Come to Daddy, uh, which I think that was the Fright Fest opener this year. And it's it's quite a lot of fun, actually. So I'll be happy to see that again. And Joe Bago's new film, Bliss, uh, is also playing, which isn't for some, but very much for others. Uh, (laughs) If you want to watch a psychedelic, extremely loud, full of death metal, colourful, fast-moving vampire flick fueled by black cocaine, then this is up your alley. (laughs) You had me at the hallucination death metal part. And then you oh, completely yeah. won me over again when you said something about vampires and black cocaine. Oh, and gorgeous woman covered in blood, uh, naked painting. Yeah, so it, it, uh, I'm gonna it's got to something for everyone. Uh, I gotta go take care of something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you might want to look out for that one. But, um, uh, yeah, so that's, look out that's for the that. end I'm of October for us. I'm actively try and find it, dude. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, uh, Graham Skipper's in it because uh, it's a Joe Bago film, obviously, and he has to be because it's the law. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm a bit gutted because like, I have this sort of tradition now, which has sort of accidentally happened that I get a selfie with Graham every year and he doesn't remember who I am every year. And I didn't get to do it this year. Oh, so, uh, I hoping that maybe he comes to celluloid screams. I don't know if they're going to visit. You, you never know who's going to be there for the Q&A. So it'll be a nice surprise if they are. But um, yeah, um. Fright Fest, it was Matt Mercer, Joe Bago, and Graham Skipper, and someone else. But they were all there who helped make this film, so it was, it was kind of cool. 
Sorry, this is very inside baseball if you don't like horror, because obviously these are, <laughs> this is not supposed to be a horror podcast, but we can't help it. It's hey, just who we are. We spent the front half talking about Jean-Claude Van Damme and ranking what our favorite films of his were, so there's a little something for everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, We're both huge horror fanatics. It's going to be really hard to keep horror out of this show. Yeah, it is. Um, mostly him trolling me for not watching old shit and me giving him shit for not seeing enough new shit, so that's... You know, it'll it'll be fun. <laughs> well, in the immortal words of a now dead actor who played the Joker, you complete me. Ah, <laughs> uh, speaking of completing things, uh, have you got some music for me? Uh, yeah, I could give you a little indecent exposure. Hey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, I'm going to put a zip noise over that. <laughs> All right. So uh, this episode's uh, musical uh, group or band or however you want to put it is a goth band with a name that will make you picture some really weird stuff and then make you really comfortable all at once. Miranda okay. Sex Garden. Okay. Now, I can't really nail down what I would describe Miranda Sex Garden's music as because it varies from album to album. Um, there are certain albums of theirs where it's all acapella and it's like the three ladies singing. And they do right. these very uh, almost like chamber music, like classic style uh, songs, um, like for an entire album where it's like 40 minutes, but it's 25 songs. Um, mm. And so like it's it's very like like I said, it's very difficult to nail down. Um, one of the songs that actually got me into Miranda Sex Garden was on a compilation, and that's what I'm about to play for you. From the album Carnival of Souls, this is Sleeping Beauty. Okay. It's like someone picked up a flute and went, nah, I'm bored of that now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah, now... Interesting. Right, okay, so that is from Carnival of Souls. There's another song that they have that's, like, right after that that's called Tonight, and it has a very, um, like, film noir-style saxophone. Well, here, I'll just play it for you. This is the very next song on the same album, right? Right.
And then this broad walked in. She had a face like... <laughs> yes, exactly. So it has a very film noir thing. And actually, every time I've heard that song, I picture like a guy that's driving in like this beat up fucking car that at one time was like <laughs> beautiful, like almost Sin City style where like you just did with the... Yeah. Like, yep. just talking to himself and, you know... I all... was thinking Maltese Falcon. Right. That's where my brain went. <laughs> right. But the really... Yeah, very much film noir or that very kind of, like, gritty type of um, mystery, you know, like, uh, what's a dame like you doing in a joint like this kind of, kind <laughs> yeah. of film. Right. But mm. the really interesting thing is if you listen to the lyrics um, in Tonight, it's like talking about this woman who comes from the ocean or something. And it's very, like, this weird Lovecraftian Cthulhu type moment. But it's oh, okay. But the song is actually playing it as if it's like this chance encounter dark romance thing at the same time. So like the music and the lyrics should not work together, but they do. And it's really interesting. interesting. Yeah. Um and cool. I, I had made mention of the like the, the I, I don't know how to term this. I, I say chamber music, but you would picture like a group of ladies that would be singing at like a high class party in like Victorian era times when you hear this type of music. Um mm. This would be from uh, the album Madra, uh, M-A-D-R-A, from Miranda okay. Sex Garden as well. This is from 91. They did this in 1991. Um, the other album is Carnival of Souls is more 2000. So, again, hmm. very different. Like, just within nine years, you see how they've evolved from what they're doing here with Madra. It's a lovely roll of the R's there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I love that stuff. I, I, I dig on, like, any layered vocal acapella, like, anything like that I have a lot of respect for, because I know damn hard it is, and I just love the sound of it, actually. Yeah, and their voices... But were they singing are, about sweet corn? Um, sweet, sweet... Con- or Seek Sweet Content is the name of that song. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I had sweet corn, and they're going, oh, living without it, it's really hard. What, hey? Eh? Right. It's not um, that good. True, true story. Uh, this album, Madra, I actually snuck in a CD changer during a uh, Christmas family get together of super religious side of the family and uh, right. let it play. And I had them convinced that they were traditional uh, Christmas songs <laughs> and they didn't pay attention to the lyrics or couldn't quite understand what was going on. So I snuck in some really nasty content with this, this album of Madra. During a Christmas, oh please tell me there's a track called "Hail Satan." No, no, but I mean, <laughs> um, when you when you pay closer attention to the lyrics and you can kind of understand what they're saying, there's some really dark stuff uh, in their undertones, which is what makes them well goth. I mean, let's let's just face it. But yeah, uh, so and uh, I think probably their most well known album is probably "Fairy Tales of Slavery," um, or at least that's the one that uh, most people would probably know. Um, I would definitely recommend "Carnival of Souls." I know that's a 2000 album. You know, and it's one of the later ones, but I really like what they're doing there where they just kind of 
it's like an amalgamation of all the other things that they had tried and just it, i feel like they really kind of came into their own on that album i really enjoy that um hmm. Madra would definitely be more your style because it's all that where they sing exactly like that and there's just different okay. lyrics and it's just the three of them singing in harmony and acapella and layered singing that is just so amazing and mm. describing it as like victorian era chamber music i mean i don't know how else to describe it right yeah yeah, yeah i don't about victorian era but like chamber music certainly <laughs> but, right but like um, the emulation of like you could just picture someone singing like that as you walk into like a victorian party and they're just sort of you know the background music you know that to, to kind mm. of keep everybody entertained that's just what i picture when i when i hear that album though um, so- There's a group in the UK who, I mean, they get popular around Christmas and um, a friend of mine does a podcast called the Punk Rock Skunk Podcast. There you go, Ollie, you got a plug. Um, and <laughs> they they basically, their podcast is him and his missus, they go to a gig and then they record snippets from the gig and then uh, argue with each other on the way home from the gig. I love it. Uh, I think there's about three of us that listen. And, and it's normally stuff like he, they're the biggest Volbeat fans in the world. They go to like, uh, download our big metal festival and stuff like that and then they do shows but they just randomly i think a couple of christmases ago just did the medieval babes which is basically that it's choral music they do carols but they also do like pop covers and stuff like that but all acapella layered style in a chamber style and it's i actually quite liked it they have admitted that loud on the internet now <laughs> <laughs> I actually really enjoyed that show they did. Awesome. So, so yeah, it sounds like you uh, would probably really enjoy Miranda Sex Garden's work. So there you go. Well, I love the name, if nothing else. Right. I'm not going to lie. Not going to lie. When I heard Sleeping Beauty on the compilation and I saw the name, I went after the band because of the name. Okay. Not going <laughs> to yeah. lie. But what I found was something that was pleasantly surprised. And what I always do is uh, someone who would um, try and like expose uh, various female singer type bands or are in the goth genre i can't remember the name of the band off the top of my head but they were they were like super popular for a long time and it was like a female fronted uh like goth metal band they did that break me up inside or whatever it was i can't remember the name of the band that's how much they don't matter oh, i mean evanescence evanescence there we go nah, they were goth they were like pop metal right <laughs> right you and i know that but the rest of the world apparently didn't get that memo um, oh okay so whenever someone was trying to be like selling me on Evanescence and telling me what I should like, I would then mm. play them Miranda Sex Garden or some other types of female fronted, very much goth bands that mm. were at least contemporaries, if not before Evanescence. And um, just kind of like, well, check this out. Do you like this? Yeah, hymns Nightwish. <laughs> 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 or um live christine would be a good one as well because she's an amazing vocalist i don't know if you've ever heard any of her work not the name's not familiar but doesn't mean i haven't heard it okay only reason i know about her is because she was on a compilation i bought a bunch of goth compilations way way back in the day where every time they came out it was called the beauty and darkness i think i have every fucking volume of that okay <laughs> um yeah it's uh I can't. It was a. It was um an American. I think it might be Century Media who released those. But there's like six volumes of Beauty and Darkness, and what it is is literally just a compilation of all of the various bands that they had the rights to or had signed. And it was like mm. literally just this label sampler that you would be able to get for less money, and they would hope that you would go and buy some of their stuff, which I ended up yeah. doing. Um, so, 
And it's not just goth. Uh, Beauty and Darkness is like goth, doom metal, all that. I mean, like they had d- dissection on there for fuck's sakes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and some black metal and stuff like that. It was just basically whatever. Mm. I think it's Century Media. I don't. I don't want. I don't want to say that that's definitely it. But whatever that particular record label's um, various catalog was, they would condense it down into samplers of these volumes. And there was like tons of songs, and they would just basically give it away to you to try and get you exposure for the bands. Cool. Well, it was a great way of finding music. I would often buy like the metal magazines with compilation discs on in order to find new bands. I mean, back in the day before I had Apple Music, of course. <laughs> but uh, but you, you've set a theme now. We have to continue this. I, I don't know if you realize that. Oh, really? Because Yeah, because so far we've had Ballsack and Miranda Sex Machine. So it, it, it's got to be somehow a suggestive band title going forward. <laughs> <laughs> Or a good innuendo or something, you know. Have you heard of Anal Cunt? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I happen to quite highly rate their musical style, actually. bands that challenges you to continue listening to them <laughs> yes <laughs> but they have some of the best uh, song titles so right the song uh, titles are what come back keep me coming back i believe my favorite song title of theirs is kyle from incantation has a cool goatee <laughs> yeah. oh it's years since i listened to that you made me want to go back now that and peg destroyer oh peg destroyer is another excellent title yeah right band title is what i meant i'm sorry but um, oh, band okay. right um so I'm, I don't know if I can meet the challenge of getting you um, naughty-themed or suggestive-themed band names. I'll see what I can find. I mean, no, it's a challenge accepted. I'm going to see what I can do on this. Um, if that's all I need, then I just have to basically say, no, that's suggestive to me, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. What have I owed myself up for? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, something very suggestive, and it's going to be well. I mean, for indecent exposure, it fits, right? Because the titles of the bands or the names of the bands are going to be indecent. It's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> right. Um, we still don't have an email address. <laughs> Everybody can reach me through my my Gmail that I use for my regular show, Cinema Psyops Court. Totally fine with that. I'm on Twitter, so just you know, at me, I guess. Or slide into my DMs there. That's on at court underscore psyop. Probably the easiest way to do it. Um, I'm on Facebook as court psyops. We all have all we all have our various groups as well. Very easy yeah. to find me. Yeah, I will set up a Facebook page and everything on where we launch. And I swear I'm going to get to doing that farewell OCD episode. I swear I'm going <laughs> to do it. Okay. <laughs> but like I say, it'd be good if we reappropriate that feed. To be honest, yeah, things are sitting there. Um, I mean, like. I don't, I mean, we'll have to just clear it with which I don't foresee him having an issue, but I mean, let's face it, uh, this bullshit artist, if he were ever, you know, able to do it, he could come along as well. I mean, all three of us could have a chat. Yeah, totally. I mean, he is an absolute bullshit artist, so it's, <laughs> <laughs> you heard his show? <laughs> yeah, and we absolutely still love him. We want to bring him back if he can come back for this. Yeah, anytime. Doors open, sir. I know you'll be listening to it anyway. <laughs> well, one would hope. You better fucking know I'm going to go down there and smack around the face with a wallaby. (laughs) 
I will do no such thing. I will come to visit and force him to show me all of the places that the Mad Max films were shot. Ah, uh, well, th- there you go. <laughs> so that, ladies and gentlemen, hitting the two-hour mark. Uh, we're going to get the fuck out of Dodge. Thank you very much for joining us again. Uh, please send us any missives you'd like to. Uh, if you know about tartan, Scottish kilts, things like that, and do's and don'ts of going to Dubai, then you might just have a chance to get it in by the time I release this, but who knows. Thank you very much, and we will catch you next time. B-U-L-L-S-H-I-T New word! A-R-T-I-S-T Bell's Bullshit Artist! You know, I just don't do it. Oh shit, I'm still recording this. (laughs) Hi, I'm the dumbest idiot ever.